You're listening to Sibling Talk, commentary from a progressive point of view. Now here are your hosts, John Paulette and Mary Jo Tumer. Hello, I'm John Paulette. And I'm Mary Jo Tumer. Mary, let me see if you remember this. This was so great. Remember when Donald Trump would have like a State of the Union address or something, and he would read the whole speech from the teleprompter with that like really vacant look and a monotone. <laughs> you remember this? And, there, and the best thing is, uh, you know, after the speech was over, we would turn on MSNBC and Brian Williams would say, here today on the 1200th day of the Trump presidency, we may be at a turning point. Donald Trump tonight was presidential. And he would turn to Lawrence and Rachel and everybody and say, guys, do you think that Donald Trump has suddenly become presidential? And of course, it was all nonsense, because by the time they were doing that, Donald Trump was already on Twitter talking about like cures and stuff and hydro I can't even do the word. I, the reason I bring all this, this up was last night, Joe Biden spoke. It's not really a State of the Union address because in the first year of the presidency, but it was an address to the nation, to the Congress. And instead of for one night kind of seeming presidential, I thought he was presidential. What did you think? He seemed like he had waited to do this job all of his life. And so when he was walking in, it was just funny. He was very happy to be there. And of course, because of the pandemic, the optics were so different than what we're used to looking at. There weren't that many people there. They were really spread out. And But he did still do fist bump to some people coming in. Even some of the Republicans were, worth, were willing to fist bump with him. He fist bumped with uh, Justice Roberts, was the only person from the Supreme Court there. But wow, Joe seemed very happy to be there. <laughs> he did. <laughs> it was funny. And then when he gave a speech, I mean, unlike Trump, who never liked the teleprompter, just he just wasn't successful on the teleprompter. When he was on the teleprompter, it seemed like he was um, in a hostage video. But Biden has been giving speeches on the teleprompter, you know, all his life. And so he seemed very comfortable up there. And as an aside, it was so historic that the two people behind him were the first time we've ever seen two women on the dais like that. And Biden mentioned that and said, you know, it's about time, I think is what he said. Most people clapped. But of course, you know, there's the curmudgeons who are unhappy that he's president, so they couldn't clap. But I, I thought, no. overall, I thought he did a good job. Honestly, to me, it was a little boring because it was the greatest hits. Like, we did this, we did this, we did that. But on the other hand, the guy has the right to take a victory lap. He does. And, I mean, one of the things about Joe Biden, maybe this is true of any big politician, when he finds a line he likes, man, he uses it all the time. And my favorite one is, I tell all the leaders all across the world, don't bet against the United States. Then he, he, <laughs> love, he loves he that. 
and and he gets this determined look as if he had never said this before. Don't bet against the United States. But I mean, that's part of the deal. If you get a good line, do it. Carol Burnett ended her show wiggling her ear for a whole lot of years. And we didn't criticize her, did we? Bob Hope, you know, would say, thanks for the memory. So I guess that's all the same. same but, you know, the other thing about that, John, is it's the um, the a different way to say make America great again. Because one of the and I don't want to spend the whole time talking about Trump, but you can't help but uh, set up the contrast. So with Trump, it was always about I, you know, only I can do this and I'm going to make America great again. Biden just has a very different approach. And I don't think it's cynical when he says, don't bet against the United States. He's not saying don't bet against Joe Biden. He's saying don't bet against the people of the United States. And that's a powerful message. At least that's what I hear when he says that. And since I personally believe that, I've said this many times about you know, people mock on the millennials or Gen Z. It's like, don't bet against these kids because they're smart and they're hardworking and they have a soul. And I think that's what he's saying about the United States is don't bet against us because we will figure it out. And he's proved that in the last hundred days with the freaking vaccine distribution. Well, he absolutely has. And he is establishing a credibility that's very important. Years ago, I worked for Goodyear, uh, and I remember I had a boss tell me, always under-promise and overachieve all the time. He said, you will, based on that, you'll be somebody people can rely on. I mean, that really is the phrase about Joe Biden. Uh, he did it on the, um, uh, the vaccinations. He's done it on a variety of things. And, I mean, there's a little bit of natural humility, I think, that goes on with Joe Biden. But the country, I think, is coming to say, yeah, we can pretty much believe uh, what Joe says. And I I mean, I hate to keep going back to it as well, but we come from a guy who says, yeah, we're going to have our plan to reform Obama. We got the whole, whole thing. And so we got to the point that we knew what he said was nonsense. And so as we come to Joe Biden, I think that's going to be an important part of things. Yeah, I think that's a great point because, you know, he's going to make mistakes and he's going to, you know, tell untruths or exaggerate or lie like politicians do. That's just in the nature of it, right? Nobody expects otherwise. But generally, I think why his uh, you know, uh, popularity ratings are so high is that people see him as a, de- a genuine guy who wants to do what's best for the country. He's still a Democrat. He still has got a Democrat view of, of uh, Democratic view of, uh, way of viewing things, but that's what you see. So that's what I saw last night. So I don't mean to be critical about it was boring, but it was boring in the way that those speeches are boring, and that's back to normal for us. Absolutely. I mean, if you want to really hear boring, go back to one of Bill Clinton's like three hour <laughs> marathons. Exactly. Oh, God, those are boring. You know, something else that struck me, I was thinking back, I, for one thing, you know, both you and I love going to France, being in Paris, like as much as anything, if there's a place to be. And the first democratic debate of the primaries, I was in Paris, and I heard it there. 
And do you remember all the way back in those early days, the message from Joe Biden was, I don't want to stir things up. I'm the moderate guy. I'll put us back on a, a stable footing and move us uh, forward. And, you know, that was such a contrast to the other really serious liberal candidates like Bernie Sanders, like Marianne Williamson, for, for example. Uh, now, that is not what we're hearing. We are hearing a guy doing a change, a transformation of American society and economy that everybody rightly is comparing to Lyndon Johnson and Franklin Roosevelt. I don't know if it's correct to say Joe Biden has become more liberal or more progressive, but I think Joe Biden has said, no, this country does not just need to be steadied a little bit. It needs a real change. Yeah, it may be more, John, of him meeting the moment. In other words, when the primaries were going on, it was pre-COVID, <clears throat> you know, things were kicking along pretty good. And sure, there were things that needed to be done. I think you still would have got infrastructure out of him. The environmental issue would have been big. But, um, you know, 2020 changed everything, including what we see as needed from leadership. So I think he's meeting the moment. I think he's also um, meeting Sanders and his understanding of how much power there was in the Sanders uh, message. Because yesterday, when he walked up, Bernie Sanders was up front. So like Justice Roberts was there, and then he walked a little bit, and Bernie Sanders was there. And Sanders was one of the last ones to come in, which I thought was interesting. And... You know, they had just a little bit of a moment, you know, still was a fist bump kind of thing. There's no hugging going on. And I think that Joe has to acknowledge that Bernie's support of Joe and Bernie's continued um, ability to keep his folks in line, like trust us, trust us, trust us is really helping Joe Biden a lot and helping his presidency. That's me. I, I don't, I've never really heard that anywhere, but I do think there's a nod to Bernie in some yeah. of what he does. And it, I agree with you. And I almost thought I saw a near hug. I saw that same moment. I, right. We, we were verging. If this was on the Seinfeld show, they'd give a good name to it. It's like yeah. an almost hug. Right. Kind of, a a verge hug. Yeah. A verge hug. That would be a good thing. But yeah, I think it is important. <laughs> Bernie Sanders knows at this point in his life, he is not going to run for president again. He's not going to be president. But he may well go down as one of the most influential people of our era. And I'm going to put it on the level of Teddy Kennedy. You know, Kennedy, I mean, Kennedy did a terrible influential thing when he ran against Jimmy Carter in the primaries and, and really contributed to his defeat. But then later in his life, he was the guy pushing Obama for, forward on health care and getting it done soon, which may not have been the exact right thing, but it was a historic thing. We look back on Teddy Kennedy, certainly in terms of some of the colorful events and everything in his life. But Kennedy, I think, is regarded as a very senator. I think Bernie Sanders is being seen that way as well. I do, too. I And so so you say, like, was Biden... You know, um, uh, what do they say? What's that? Uh, wolf in sheep's clothing? 
Yeah. I don't think that was it. I think because he's not been known as a very progressive guy his entire career, but he's always been someone who meets the moment. And so I would look at it that way. You know, the way that the Republicans wanted to frame Biden is that he will be the captive of the left. I don't think that's right. You know, he's not a captive of the far left, but he is acknowledging the power that they have in the Democratic parties, particularly among young people. So that's what I, I saw. And, you know, the, the, the big issue to come that we'll be fighting about, which is infrastructure, um, this, is not, this is not a, um, a difficult issue to understand. Everybody supports that. So why wouldn't Biden say this is the moment? You know, he, he had a line like, when I hear climate change or, in, you know, the environment, I hear jobs. That is consistent with Joe Biden because he's a blue collar, that he's always run as a blue collar guy. So when he's saying there are jobs, we are going to own the future. That plays exactly to, to the constituency that he thinks the Democrats should be fighting for, even if I agree or disagree about yeah. that. No, and I agree with you. Well, the only thing I'd extend is anything makes Joe Biden think of jobs. I mean, all <laughs> right. What I was imagining as I watched was if this speech had been produced by Monty Python, then a little chorus of men in the back going, Jobs, jobs. <laughs> I did want to check. I think you were okay with uh, Tim Scott. I was I mean, not. Just, yeah, I mean, just in terms of delivery, you know, he's probably the best um, that they've had in a while to just deliver. Oh, um, low bar alert, low bar uh, alert. <laughs> oh, my God. You mean he was better than Marco Rubio leaning was. off camera to get a bottle of water? He was, but I think the problem he has is there's the, the Republicans are missing a consistent message. It's not, and we talked about this the other day, it's not as if there isn't a message to be had. Even I could frame their message for them, but they're so busy trying to not make Trump mad and figure out how, you know, how to win the midterms that they are not being Republicans anymore. And Scott is in a very difficult position because when I call him a liberal Republican, no, but on some issues, he floats towards the Democrat. Yeah, and I would call him a rational Republican. I have some right. admiration for Tim Scott. Uh, I think he's always been a reasonable guy. He's trying to get something done on, on the police reform. I get all that. But boy, it is really hard to break out. And before someone asked me uh, if I thought, well, is he one of the good guys? I said, nope. Nobody who sat by for four years and allowed Donald Trump to go forward and and did not speak out about it will ever be a, a good guy to me. But well, can I give him well, some rational? Okay. Yeah, I mean, history will judge those guys even harsher than we have. But they are Absolutely well. You know, the biggest phrase in my mind, I, I know we keep going back to Trump, was the one that strikes me the most that he said was in his campaign when he said, what do you have have to lose? You know, go ahead with me. And so I'm watching a real president at work. And I thought, I'll tell you what, we have four years of somebody actually doing the work of being a president. That's what we have to lose. Exactly. So we'll see how that turns out after the end. 
You so good. gotcha. Have right. a good week. Bye. You too. Bye. Sibling Talk is a JMP production. Theme song by David Paulette.